So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Pop Culture Podcast. Christmas special. It's... It's not actually a Christmas special, it's the 27th of December, but this whole week I'm just rolling with Christmas special because I want you guys to feel as though you're getting you're getting value out of this free podcast. There's no money that swaps hands, you don't pay a cent for it, and look at me, I'm still looking out for you, still trying to make sure that you guys are happy. It's just the kind of bloke I am, it's the Christmas spirit kicking in. Now I want to take these headphones out, but... It really helps the audio quality, in my opinion, when I can hear what's going on. So I'm going to leave it in, despite the fact it's uh, it's the one thing that when my wife looks at the video of this podcast, she says, man, that needs to change. And she's a lot better with this kind of stuff than I am in many regards, so I, I should listen to her. But based on, based on YouTube view numbers, I'm not going to stress too much about the visuals just now, because, uh, because you guys, you clearly... Yeah, despite my polite request for you to go and have a look at the YouTube videos, you just don't, you don't care. Um, which I'm trying, like it's, uh, I don't want to take personally, but I mean when it's something that I put together, there's no, there's not really many other ways that you can interpret that apart from your, you don't care about the tan that I have, you don't care about the fact I've been outside, and, and you don't care about the effort I've put into making this studio look attractive. I forgot to put the vinegar lady how she's supposed to be. One sec. That's the one thing I have to do before I start, and I forgot today because I, because I was having a little argument with my wife. I, I told her she was being grumpy today. She came back at me with I was being a little bit grumpy, and, and I think she was actually more accurate because she was very polite with everything she said this morning. I was in the zone just trying to get things done, and I snapped but it's easier to, to project your frustration and, and just refer to the person that you're speaking to as grumpy than it is to look at yourself in the mirror and go, hey, Tice, how you going, mate? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you being so snappy? All right? Don't worry about the dog barking right now. It doesn't matter. There's not, there's not much that you stressing about that can do, but it doesn't happen because when you've been married to someone for 10 years, it's easier to blame the other person than it is to look at yourself and go, all right, what needs to be improved? And then it takes two minutes of reflection. I go out and I go, babe, I'm so sorry. She goes, well, you know, most normal women would have divorced you a long time ago. I said, sweetie, that's why you're different. You are not most normal women. And I think <laughs> the frustrating part about that, I laugh at it, but people come and stay with us for a couple of days. And I think, well, you know what? I think, uh, I think, uh, here's the thing. I look at our relationship and I go, no, you only notice what's wrong with me. I notice what's wrong with you. You know, that's a healthy relationship, isn't it? We just both point out the faults in the other person and hope that the other one's willing to change. Because it's easier to just point the finger than it is to look at yourself in the mirror and go, oh, okay, I see what needs to be improved here. But I've believed that for so long now that it comes as a shock to me. Whenever anyone comes and stays with us for more than three days, it doesn't matter if it's my family or if it's Jesse's family, on about day two, they all look at Jesse and go, you are phenomenal. Like, what you tolerate is... Now, I'm not saying... I've got to be careful to clarify. She doesn't tolerate physical abuse. <laughs> she's Eastern European. And I'm a, I'm a decent-sized guy, but I, when she's fiery, I, I wouldn't put it past her to... to uh, she's not going to knock me out, but she could, give me a, she could give me a bruise. She's not putting up with that kind of stuff, which is good, but it's just... Um, she carries the weight around here. If you wanted to look at what's going on in our marriage, I would say 
I would say she carries the right the weight. And it's not just me saying that. In fact, it's all of our family and friends. And so I should be more polite to her when I get frustrated. Anyway, you guys don't care. You don't care about my my relationship because you guys are all in the Christmas spirit. You're just thinking about Christmas still, right? That's uh, I hope, how was it? Did you have a did you have a good uh, a good time with your family and friends? Did you did you manage to get there without uh, without giving the cooties? To them all, it was. I like Christmas, but this year I was a little nervous because, uh, because the the COVID controversy, the COVID conversations, just at the tip of everyone's lips for so long. I'm not going to make this podcast about COVID. We've spoken about that enough the last couple of weeks. So hey, don't panic if you're thinking, oh, please don't go into this. I'm I'm not, I'm not. But I just wanted to tell you one story because uh, I caught up with my with my auntie, uh, my cousins, my mum. My wife and I went down together and we were sitting at the table and uh, my mum made a rule. She goes, Tyson, look, no COVID talk for all of Christmas. And I said, that seems fair. I said, it's, it's a slightly tyrannical approach to Christmas Day that you're taking. But if that's what you think is going to make it a more enjoyable day for everyone, I guess you're the cook. Uh, you're setting it up and you paid for the Christmas tree. I'm going to abide by your rules, especially because it's your house. And we see it so differently that it's a guarantee to, to be a fight if we're not careful. So she said she she laid down the rules and said, hey, no talking COVID. But then we were sitting at the dinner table and uh, and out of nowhere, my auntie sucker punched me because, well, so here's the thing. Now, this is, a, this is interesting. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. We were sitting at the dinner table and uh, my mum popped out the back for a while. Everyone else left the table. And it was myself and my auntie sitting there and we'd just been speaking about how I hate working for people. It's just something I don't enjoy. And I did potentially sound a little entitled. I don't know how it came across. I wasn't meant to, but I said, look, I'm not working for people anymore because I, I don't want to. <laughs> Essentially, that was my that was my reasoning. And she said, wow. And she's lovely. She just bought me and Charlie a beautiful Christmas gift. So I couldn't be too fiery. I had to be lovely. And in fairness, she's lovely as well. Like if there's one person you're going to have this discussion with, it's your, your auntie Urs. So I sat down and she said, oh, Tyus, as you speak, I notice a real sense of entitlement. And I thought, oh, it's an interesting way to step into this next part of the conversation. Where is this going? So I did a, you know that moment where you can feel your heart pumping because like your ego starts to go, hey, who, who, did, who are you calling entitled? This is my house. <laughs> it's not, it's my mum's. But with a sense of entitlement, I claim it as my own. Because she took a photo of her will the other day and she said 100% of it's coming to me. So is it too soon to start calling it my house? I'm not sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it. I'm going to try and do it and see if mum lets me. But at this time in the will, I'm an only child. I don't want, you know you're going to be stuffing up. Like it's a big stuff up to be the only child and not receive whatever's left over uh, when your mother says goodbye to this life and, and hello to the next one. So I'm, I've got to play my cards cautiously. Now in fairness, she's only 64 years old. So all going well, I won't even have to think about this for another 36 years. I did message her back because she took a screenshot of a... Uh, of her will the other day and sent it to me saying, hey, Tice, 100% is yours. And I wrote back, said, hey, watch your back this week. I'm going to get you in a headlock till you pass out, which was very, like J Jesse told me off for that. It was, it was a pretty aggressive statement, I think, to, to throw back at mum after such a lovely gesture. For her to say, hey, I'm going to entrust you with everything I've worked my whole life to attain. And for you to message back, I'm going to get you in a choker hold. Perhaps it is entitled. But who decides what entitlement is? It's my auntie Earth is the thing. And so she said, you're very entitled. How does that entitlement make you feel about vaccine mandates and the government making you get there? And we went down that rabbit hole. Now, for those of you who have been listening for a little while, you, you know where I stand with that. I'm not a big fan of the mandates. I don't like mandates for, 
for anything really. Anything within reason. Like I like mandates. I don't, I don't mind people um, mandating road rules and stuff like that because history has showed that the mandates in that particular part of our society has had some really beneficial results as a result of of traffic lights and stop signs and seat belts and speed signs we go oh okay well i can you can see the benefits you can see the proof seems to be in the pudding but at the moment when the proof isn't in the pudding uh, i think it's fair to ask questions but apparently apparently that's entitlement so that was my christmas lunch that's how it ended uh, you could just see people awkwardly hovering around the dinner table going, oh, no, they're talking about COVID. I said to my cousin, Nimes, I go, don't worry, I've got this. It's all cool. I started working on my breathing. I could feel my heart rate pounding. You know that feeling where you get a little nervous and you feel as though you've been winded? I'm not sure what that is. I'm pretty sure it's a classic sign that the conversation stood, uh, should end there, but it didn't. We continued. Um, but overall, a very good a very good lunch. My mum, my wife delivered. I hope you guys had the same experience. It was, uh, it was a nice little Christmas, a nice little Christmas. And hey, we, we dodged the COVID talk mostly, which was good. And we could just focus back on the cricket, which is, which is the shittest sport in fairness. So in Australia right now, we have, we have the Ashes Test Match, which is it's an annual event. It takes place around this time every year. I think the Boxing Day Test is the biggest one. That was yesterday. And uh, it's really interesting to watch this space because obviously with the COVID restrictions, with the rules, with the regulations, with the you can do this today, you can't do that today, but tomorrow it all flips. It's really hard to watch health advice change and swing and adjust and uh, and people try and act as though it's normal. And uh, we were really interested just to see how this Boxing Day test was going to go. But who says COVID is all bad? Because just before I press record on this podcast, I saw a little notification. It came up from The Age via Twitter saying that there was a uh, there was a family member of an English cricketer who was travelling with the team who is awaiting a test result from a COVID test, which may put the test match... At, at, at an end, which to be fair is a great thing for many people. I don't think anyone uh, should be forced to have cricket on Channel 7 when there's so many other options that you could replace it with. Like women's netball is a is a good option. Actually, women's netball is the highlight of the netball world. I would say that's the one exception in sport where you probably prefer men's sports not to be shown. Is that right? Is that See, people get angry when you say that, but I think it's... Uh, I don't know. Women's sport is like, it's very similar to men's sport, but just in slow slow motion. You can't say that, can you? Not without being cancelled in 2021. But like, is there an exception to that rule? Like, look at tennis. It's like men's tennis. Still very interesting. I'm not saying they're not skillful. They're incredible. But it's men's sport in, in slow motion. What's the, what's the speed of the serve? What's the speed of the return? What's the foot speed? That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not trying to be rude here. I'm not trying to be the guy that says that women's sport is men's sport in slow motion. Though I did just say that. Mm-hmm. Sure, I said it. But do the facts not back me up? Let's look at women's football. What is the speed that they run? What is the score? How far can they kick the ball? This is they're just observations. It's just a couple of observations I just wanted to put out there. But it looks as though, well, the cricket is at least, it's at least going to be delayed with its start time today. Apparently they said all going well, it's, uh, it's going to be a couple of hours. I, I just, I want it to be cancelled. That's my honest opinion, uh, opinion, opinion. That's my opinion. 
That's my opinion on the cricket. I, I want it to be cancelled just because I like watching uh, the Victorian government scramble to try and justify. Like because when there's money on the line, obviously there's there's more desire for these games to be able to go ahead. If there's no money to be lost, then what's the point of working hard to do it? Am I right? But if there's more on the line, you know, you just know that there's going to be a way to find a way around it. They're going to figure out, they're going to find new health advice in the next half an hour, which actually justifies why it's beneficial to Melbourne as a society and to all the cricketers to play after that COVID result is revealed. So let's just wait and see. Maybe by the end of this podcast, we can see what's happening. This is where I need a live, I need a producer. If you are interested in being a producer for this show, I'd love to have you on a computer next to me now so we could find this out in real time. See, the Pop Culture Podcast is dedicated and committed to bringing you the most important information in real time. See, that's what, that's my, if you, people say to me, Tice, what's the mission statement? What's the mission of the podcast? Real entertainment, real time. That's what I've always said since the uh, since I was a young fella. It's been my mission in life to bring real information real quick. In, I mean, <laughs> in, in real time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. you just got to say what you believe with confidence. So I don't really get the appeal of cricket. Like even men's cricket is is boring, to be fair. I don't understand it. Like it's, a, it's the one sport I've never really been able to get into. I used to, I played it on Sony PlayStation uh, uh, years ago, like back in 1997, there was a cool game that came out about cricket. And I go through phases. But the phase that I go through of appreciating cricket is when Shane Warne is the best bowler in the world and uh, he's Australian. And you get bragging rights just for being associated uh, as living in the same country as him. That's how often I go through a phase. So until Brett Lee didn't do much for me, I'm not really impressed by fast-paced bowlers either. Fast-paced bowlers, it's, I don't know, it's just a, it's a hard sport to take seriously. When you think about sport in general, though, I think sport is hard to take seriously when you think about practically what's going on. My favourite uh, sport here is football, AFL. If you're from any other state, uh, than Victoria, you might not know what it is. Any other country, just Google it because you definitely won't know what it is. But uh, when you think about what's going on, it's a big grass pitch with 36 men running around after a little leather ball, uh, and it's in- incredibly intense and incredibly serious. When you look at it, it's hard to take seriously. When you break down what's actually going on, it's hard to go, hey, this is this is a good use of my time and it's a good use of our money. Uh, I think this is a really good decision but then uh, the truth is, as it plays on, you get more into it. If scores are close at the end, it gets quite aggressive. There's, there's been a lot of fights breakdown over the, uh, at the MCG over a lot of sports. And football is no different. So it doesn't really matter, does it? Like if you're hitting around a little, a little concrete ball with a wooden stick, or you're kicking around a little leather ball on a grass pitch, it, I, guess it's the, uh, I guess it's what's beneath that, isn't it? It's almost like an archetype. It's that, it's that hero's journey just playing out before your eyes. I guess that's the appeal of, the appeal of football and, and sport. But I don't know. It's just, I find it hard to take seriously when you're looking at it like that. So let's just see. Sport, I think athletes take themselves too seriously as well, especially here. So AFL is the biggest sport in, in, it would be the biggest sport in Australia, I imagine. I know Sydney siders would hate me saying that because they probably think NRL, whatever that is, has has some kind of, uh, of appeal to, to a lot of Australians. But I think if you just put the fans out on the street, the AFL fans would outnumber NRL fans. Soccer's not a really big thing here, though it, you know, it's appreciated by a small group of people. Um, but I think if you looked overall, what's the biggest sport? The answer is it's AFL football. And AFL football, it's a great sport, I admit, even though I've just taken the piss out of it. 
you know, the fact they wear these little tiny shorts, we've got to take them seriously as they run around this field and chasing the little at the ball. It is a good sport. It's a great sport. But, but the AFL scene, it's a very local sport. It's sort of like, uh, what do they play in Ireland? What's that? Uh, I've completely blanked on the name. What is it? They've got the round ball. They've got the round ball. They kick it into the nets. Uh, I think it's an amateur sport mostly. I, I can't believe that I've blanked on the name of this. Gaelic football is the name. So they've got Gaelic football, which I'm not sure there's many other sports, apart from that sport they play on Harry Potter, there's not many sports that are so localised to a particular country that I'm aware of. Like Things like soccer have, have made their way out of the UK and Europe, um, and it's sort of just infiltrated every culture on every continent, apart from Antarctica, I imagine. But uh, uh, football, for whatever reason, has stayed quite local. It struggled really to break out of the state of Victoria, uh, its origins, but it's, it's I mean, it's it's come into uh, WA a little bit, it's gone into South Australia, and it's, people up north appreciate it a little, but it hasn't really done a great deal. But the Australian footballers take themselves incredibly serious. It's incredibly serious. I was walking past a news agent yesterday, and one of my pet hates, ultim- maybe my ultimate pet hate in the sporting world, is, have you guys ever seen that Jordan Wings photo where he's got his arms expanded like this, and in each hand, he's, he's got a basketball in each hand, and he's basically, it's, it's wings, it's Jordan, because he can fly. He was, he, was no, he was the man that was known from jump, for jumping from the uh, free throw line, making it all the way to the ring. He would hit the ring at knee height and just plop the ball in the ring. He, he literally could make an argument that it was, a, it was a short fly. You know what I mean? If it was a flight, it was a domestic flight, not an international one. But it was still impressive for a human being to have that kind of leap, to have that kind of launch, uh, to have that kind of power and confidence to be able to jump from that far. You go, hang on a second, like this is this is pretty impressive. The guy's got wings. Let's do him uh, see him do a wings photo. He's arguably, I say not even arguably. I don't think Kobe. I don't think LeBron really hold a flame to Jordan. I don't. I don't think. I think Jordan's the king. He's the Muhammad Ali of the basketball world. He's the standout of a generation or multiple generation now of basketball players. So for him to make that statement with the wings and the basketballs, you go beautiful photo. And as far as I know, he was the uh, he was the creator of it. He was the first to do it, and rightfully so. You can't argue really that he was the greatest, can you? I mean, you can put an argument up, but no one really takes it seriously. Haven't you watched that documentary? What's that latest documentary where it follows the career? He was a fiery guy. I didn't realize quite how much fire he had. I always just looked at as Jordan as just like the Space Jam guy. He was full of smiles, but also very good at basketball. But then you put, you put that documentary on for 10 minutes and you go, oh my gosh. Is it The, the Last Dance, I think it was called? Or have I just made that up? The Last Dance. Or maybe I've just told you about a ballroom dancing video. The Last Dance that my grandma used to play on repeat in the background. And I've got the name confused. But the truth is, you, yeah, he was the greatest. He's the man. And you watch that documentary. And though you leave with a slight concern over his health at the moment, his eyes are very yellow. I'm not sure if that's over... Is that due to alcohol consumption? He looks a little jaundiced through the eyes. Like it was very... It was quite obviously yellow. Every time it flashed to him and he's... Uh, apartment smoking cigars and drinking whiskey i thought oh gee like we just when the eye when the whites of the eye starts to take on a color like yellow you start to get a little bit concerned for the person's health because it says it suggests something about bad circulation doesn't it like surely when there's yellow stored up is there any excuse for the human body to have yellow stored up in any part of the body and you not to take it seriously 
I saw that, and I think a lot of people did too, because there was quite a few articles written about it, like what's going on with Jordan. I think essentially it just boiled down to he's now, uh, like he's close to being an alcoholic. <laughs> he's got a lot of money, a lot of spare time. He owns a basketball team. What else is he trying to achieve? I'm not sure. Not much. He's uh, he's he's got cigars. He's got whiskey. He's got fame, and he's uh, he's really lapping up his uh, his retirement. I know he retired 25 years ago, or 20 years ago now. And yet he's he's still in celebration. But I tell you, when you've got six championship rings, I guess you can celebrate for that long. The party never stops when you're MJ. That's what his eyes suggest. I just think if I was his physician, I would say, you know what, it's time for a fast. We need to increase your your water intake. We need to make sure that you're you're hydrated on things other than heavy liquor. And, uh, and we're getting some sleep, all right? Because you look like, as much as I don't want to admit it, you look as though you're you're probably 15 days away from a heart attack. You know, rest in peace, Jordan. That's a day that I'm not looking forward to because, uh, well, the Jordan the Jordan brand continues, don't they? Like, it doesn't stop now. It's become so, it's a conglomerate, really. The Jordan brand, I'm not sure how much they take in each, each year, but there's no way that if Jordan dies that that brand disappears because uh, there's too many people making a living out of it now. So I guess, hey, his legacy lives on. So when he's ready, I guess, hey, let him go. You know, I'm not, I'm not praying for the death of Michael Jordan. I'm just saying that it's, uh, the money's going to keep flowing even when he's gone. All right? So, Jordan, if you're listening to this, I know you're a big fan of the show. You've messaged me a number of times and said, Tyus, love your work. YouTube channel's great, man. I love how in focus your video is and your vinegar dancing girl, sensational. I appreciate that, man. And out of, out of mutual respect, because you've told me how much you appreciate the work I do. You've, you've messaged me and said, wow, Tice, like I'm a lot of people's heroes, but to me, you are my hero. And I said, man, um, I really appreciate that, MJ. Or George, I like to call him. I just say George, Geordie. Sometimes I call him Geordie, but he, he gets frustrated with that because the truth is he doesn't like it. So I just say, MJ, bro. Um, and usually like I give him knuckles as I say it, high fives and that. Um, just drink some water. That's what I've, that's been my message since I was a young kid to you, hasn't it, MJ? Just get on the waters, man, because you're a you're a, a true hero, and we need you. We need you in the game. We need you back in the game. We need you playing for the Bulls now. We need you to take a stand against the the political nature of the game. Remember when you used to just the focus of basketball just used to be on skills and baskets and talent, and now it's on Black Lives Matter, which is which is fine. It's fine if you want to if you want to make the focus of the game Black Lives Matter, do it. It's just that it's getting old now when it's on every single channel. When I see an AFL player take the knee, I go, you know what? I, I saw just six months ago you were done for being racist on the ground. You were done for being racist on the ground. Now you're taking a, leaf, a knee for Black Lives Matter. I'm starting to get the vibe. You just don't want the lash back from not taking your knee. But that's that's just my reflection. Anyway, I've, uh, I've, I've gone down a little rabbit hole. And uh, within the rabbit hole, I found a tunnel. And uh, I'm just making my way back because the original point was MJ, greatest of all time. He has the wings with the balls in each hand. The basketballs, do you know what I mean? He's not just standing there with his balls in each hand because that would be that would be an OnlyFans account that he would uh, that he would open. And I, I think honestly, like he would probably get a little bit of traction on that. It's not something I would subscribe to uh, because any man holding his balls is not something that I would subscribe to. But that's just me personally. If you do swing that way, I've got no issue with you. Do you know what I mean? It's different horses. For different courses it's just that if you ever came to my house doing that i would say i'd probably ask you to politely leave do you know what i mean unless unless there's nothing on tv that night then you're welcome to stay <laughs> but um it's just uh 
But AFL players, I've, I walked past the news agent the other day and I saw an AFL player with a, with a football in each hand, like a little football in each hand uh, doing the Michael Jordan wings. Now, I understand what they're trying to say. I understand the resemblance. I understand the, the power of the image of Jordan is, is sensational. And you want to tap into that. We say, hey, he's the greatest of all time, but I'm pretty good at football. And a lot of AFL players forget. They, they forget how local the sport is and how preposterous that image looks to the average person. Any person who appreciates sports, I think, has to look at that image and go, bro, that's Jordan's. You, you, can't, you can't do that. Yeah, it'd be like me going, uh, you know that little Kurt Cobain, or that Nirvana cover, the little baby swing, you can see his little willy in the pool and he's chasing like a dollar note. Uh, it would be like me creating my own album and instead of having a baby in the water chasing a dollar note, I just had a, I had a dog. Like it's, it's the same concept. Everyone knows where it comes from. It's not as good. You've clearly copied it. You're taking the piss out of what was one of the, the, the most incredible albums ever written. Uh, I think there needs to be a little bit, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, lashback. There has to be a bit of criticism, and I'm not seeing enough. I think news agents need to make a stand and stop purchasing that. I think the PR team of the clubs and the players, the the agents of the players who are allowing these photos to be taken, need to be fired immediately. Because the truth is, you're not the greatest of all time. Not at football, not at sport in general. I think that Jordan image has to be isolated to Jordan. Even if you're the greatest of all time in another sport, like who, who's the greatest of all time in another sport? Even if Haley Gebrselesi, now I'm coming at you from a distance running world. He's an Ethiopian uh, distance runner, uh, one of the greatest of all times. If he stepped into a photo and he was holding an athletic shoe, a, a, a track spike in each hand, I would say, Haley, like I appreciate what you're doing. I know where you're coming from. I understand the gesture. I get the reference. I get that it's like a little tip of the hat to Jordan, but stop it. We've got to create your own thing. We can't just be we can't just be copying what the great man's done. So AFL players, I know you listen to this as well, because I constantly, every week, I get a message from MJ and I get a message from Dusty Martin. That's a little reference to an Australian footballer if you don't understand it. You can Google him. He's got neck tattoos and he's very good at football. But a lot of these guys message me and they go, Tyus, I love your work, mate, but I need your advice. I need your help. And I think this is my, I guess, essentially, it's not an intervention as much as it's just me just reaching out to you saying, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. I want to support you. But I'm finding it hard to support you through this time when you're making such ridiculous decisions. So please, enough with that photo. If you've got one up in your house, you should take it to an op shop after you've removed the image from the frame because it's a it's an embarrassment not only to the players but to your household. Alright? Max Gorn, don't ever do it again. Alright, Trent Cochin, yet yeah, we need you to stop. We need you to take a step back and go, what was I thinking? The paycheck might have been good, but it's uh, you know, it was just hard for me to see and I just feel like you deserve that uh, you deserve that that feedback. Because I don't want to see you going viral for the wrong reasons. There's only certain things I like to see going viral, uh, and there's been a couple this week. Actually, <laughs> I wanted to um, I wanted to bring this up to you guys because uh, because there's something about a plane video that uh, there's a new appreciation I think from the public on on uh, tension on planes, and rightly so. In the middle of a so-called pandemic, when people are worried to be about and near the breath of other people. I think the worst place you could possibly be for any extended period of time is an aeroplane. 
because obviously you're in a cylinder with wings on the side and the doors are sealed shut. And for two hours or longer, you're simply sitting there breathing recycled air from the person next to you who's been a smoker for life and probably has COVID. So there's a there's a fair bit of tension just in day-to-day -day life here in Victoria, let alone, like even out at the public. I used to get told off by a lady at the beach for not wearing a mask, which I thought was preposterous. But imagine putting that lady on a tiny little cylinder next to a guy called Bruce who's been smoking, definitely has COVID, and telling her to relax for a couple of hours until she gets to the destination. It's just not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen and it doesn't happen. And as a result, we, you and I, are lucky enough to see the fruits of that bad decision. Well, it's not a bad decision for everyone, but if you've got anxiety around other people's breath being in your lungs, it's a bad decision. But it is one of the most beautiful things in terms of YouTube viral videos. And I've seen two this week that I wanted to share with you. In fact, one is not related to anything I just said. The other is highly related. All right, so the first one, I, I, I saw a news article, which is, it's almost hard to believe that this is real. Is it? Uh, maybe it's not hard to believe. I think at the top of this show each week, I'm going to ask you to predict which stories are real and which stories are false. Now, a couple of them, I come out just testing little joke ideas. I like just to, just to, just to, uh, what do you say, dangle it in your face without sounding too sexual. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to paint an image that you hadn't asked for, but uh, without... Uh, what was I saying? I got caught up. I got caught up because I just said I was going to dangle something in your face and I got self-conscious. Do you know what I mean? I pictured me being arrested for uh, indecent exposure at your family Christmas party. I'm not sure why it was there, but there's always uh, too much alcohol being served. So I think if there was a place where anything of mine was going to dangle in your face, it would be there after after my drink was spiked by your uncle. Do you know? But uh, but the first one, let me tell you about this. So Delta Airlines has, has re released... Uh, there's a few videos that I'm not comfortable to watch, but there's also photos which I was fine to see. There was a lady on a Delta flight who was traveling with her cat. So apparently, I didn't know this was true. Apparently you can now travel, so you can travel on some airlines with small animals that are big enough to essentially fit in your handbag. Now, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with cats at the best of times. So the anxiety for me on a plane right now would not be uh, about your breath being in my lungs. In fact, if you're, if you're decent looking, you've looked after your health, I might even welcome that idea. But one thing that makes me uncomfortable on a plane is a cat. The only thing that can make me more uncomfortable than a cat on an airplane is what I've heard reported just today uh, on CNN News that a lady on a Delta Airlines flight was asked politely to stop breastfeeding her cat while she was on board. Which in itself is a... That's a problematic statement, isn't it? Like, I, I feel as though a lady in that situation who is casually in front of an airline, an aircraft full of people who is breastfeeding a cat, who have fangs, mind you. They've got little fangs coming out the front of their mouth. That wouldn't, she must have nipples of steel. Look, I've seen my wife breastfeed for a few months on a baby who simply had gums, and it was a painful experience for her. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes when we get too excited, I accidentally bite a little too hard. And she says, hey, you've got to be careful with that. I said, I apologize. I forgot I had uh, teeth coming through. Do you know what I mean? I, I was trying to move a little bit. And as I moved, my jaw clenched and I've, uh, I got you right on the nipple. My son had no teeth at the time, let alone fangs. And, and it was a painful experience for her. I, don't, I honestly didn't appreciate just what women went through when it came to the breastfeeding part of childbirth because for me it was honestly a 40 second process from foreplay to pregnancy being complete for her she had to go through morning sickness she had to go through breastfeeding uh, in fact right now she's looking after my boy he's gone to bed now but she was the one who put him down so she's had a rough end of the deal but 
the idea that she could get away from breastfeeding our kid was, was something that was so highly welcome. The idea that a lady can be on board a plane breastfeeding her cat, I think it's a sign of the time. I feel like in any other era uh, of Western culture, well, maybe in any other time in Western culture in the past 100 years, any person who was seen breastfeeding a cat would be, uh, like surely they'd be locked up in an insane asylum, I think. But it, it wasn't even the main headline. It wasn't even the, the biggest point of concern for CNN's website today, the fact that this lady was breastfeeding a cat. The, the most problematic part for me was because if I'm ever caught doing something which is slightly embarrassing, I got caught doing a wee in public once and I also used a disabled toilet and I came out and, uh, and there was a man sitting there in a wheelchair. And I, I felt, because I, I like to go to the disabled toilets because there's a little more leg room. I like to be comfortable if I'm doing a poo. I don't want to be all... I, I did a poo yesterday in Ballarat and uh, I, I went into the bathroom at a public toilet and there was about eight toilets. They were all clean because I checked them all to, to see which one was the cleanest before I sat down to do my thing. And uh, and there was a man with confidence that, that I'll never have in the in the world of using public toilets who, who came down to the toilet. He came down to the little store. Is it a store? The, the little toilet next to mine. And I saw his feet sit down, and you could tell his feet were wide apart. He wasn't he wasn't trying to compose himself. He wasn't trying to be quiet. I like to I like to flush, but also put like a whole heap of toilet tissue in there. So you're not going to hear plops. You're not going to hear any noises if I accidentally do a little fart. You're just going to hear the water flush, and then hey, I'll catch you later after I wipe. Obviously, I even do that quite discreetly. But this guy came in and just went. He went. He was going for it. He was really going for it. There was no shame on his part for, for the noises that were coming from his body. And good on him. If you've got that kind of confidence, you should commit to it. But you just got to appreciate the fact that it makes other people comfortable. If that was me, which is sometimes in, I sometimes try and go in, do a real little sneaky one, just a little push, and the and the little fluff that comes out is way, way more powerful than I'd ever anticipated. And, uh, and, and I'm embarrassed. And if I was ever asked to stop it, I would apologize sincerely, and I'd make sure it never happened again. But this lady with the cat, uh, imagine how did they have this conversation like as an air hostess uh, you had to politely go up to this lady and say excuse me madam uh, sorry to bother you but uh, are you able to put your tit away and maybe take your cat which is latched onto your nipple off uh, because you know it's it's not normal it's it's not a normal part of the air process and the man next to you is very uncomfortable can't you tell by the fact he's got his blindfold on and he's trying to eat his meal <laughs> He's got his blindfold on, he's trying to eat his mashed potatoes and he's eating the sausage because he doesn't know which one the mashed potato is because he's got his mask on because he doesn't want to see you breastfeeding your cat. The, the most uncomfortable part of this story was the lady said, oh, he's hungry, he has to eat. Big dog's got to eat, you know? And so she continued, she she started to arc up, she started to get frustrated about the fact that she was she was worried about her cat being hungry and she was, she was insulted about the fact that she was asked to... To, first of all, if you've got a boob out, on, like in a lot of situations, I'm, I'm trying to think, like if someone said to me, uh, if a lady had their boob out on an aeroplane, would you be uncomfortable? Depends. If it was my mum, yes. If it was my wife, probably still yes, actually, because it's still too close to home. But if it was a, I don't know. I guess this is one thing you can't really talk about honestly and openly as a married man, because you're going to get yourself in trouble if you start talking about whether it was an attractive person uh, blah, blah, blah. So I won't get into that. But the answer is, uh, uh, in a lot of cases, I would be uncomfortable. But in a lot of cases, I'd probably be more comfortable than I'm allowed to admit on this podcast and, and maintain a happy marriage. <laughs> but 
But the idea of sitting next to a lady breastfeeding a cat is something that uh, that's a step beyond what I'm what I'm willing to take. So uh, I was just I just wanted to share that with you. Really, there there was no there was no punchline to that story. There was no destination I was trying to reach. I just wanted to share that with you because I felt as though I needed to get it off my consciousness and onto yours because it had been bothering me every time it came into my mind. The other one, and my fate, okay, video of the week. I saw, this has been retweeted. I saw Joe Rogan retweeted it, Jordan Peterson retweeted it, and it was representing our little Aussie girl, Rita Panahi, who's a, uh, to some people, a far-right extremist, to other people, the only journalist sharing actual honest news at the moment. So depending on where you sit on the political spectrum is going to dictate exactly how you see her. But she, she shared a video, another viral video. Now, this is tapping into my original introduction to this topic where people are uptight at the moment because obviously there's a lot of air that's being constrained in that aircraft, in that cylinder. And it's being breathed in by other people. Obviously, people who are scared of COVID, who are not scared of COVID, and everyone in between. But this video, you might have already seen it, was an old man being abused by a young woman for not wearing his mask. Now, from what you could tell in the video, the old man, he's sitting there, he's drinking his drink, he's eating his food. And I think that's the only exception at the moment, based on current health advice, that allows you to actually... Uh, remove your mask on an aircraft is to make sure that you're actually eating and drinking. Now, I didn't see the, I didn't see how this particular story got started, but I did see this lady standing over this man, uh, calling him some pretty nasty stuff. There were some words there that uh, that I can't repeat too loud in case my son wakes up and hears it and it's his first word he ever uses. That's going to be embarrassing. He already says boobs quite clearly because of my bad influence. So I'm going to have to just rein it in a little bit because boobs isn't a word you want your son to say as his first word. But this lady was yelling at this man. Now, ironically enough, she had her mask off so she could yell more clearly at him. Now, she was concerned about the impact he was having on the health and safety of the rest of the aircraft because he didn't have his mask on. But ironically enough, as she yelled at him about it, for forgot about the fact that she didn't have it. That's what happens with this cultish behavior, isn't it? You get to a point in cultish behavior where Reason and logic are no longer an important part of the conversation. What is more important is just making sure you win the argument. And that was clearly her point because as she was yelling at him, her mask was well down. You could see little spit particles coming from her mouth, landing on the man's forehead as she was speaking, which is something I was uncomfortable with. But just a little bit of fuel at the end of the fire, a little bit of fuel on the fire, or the cherry on top of this story was at the end, just to make her point, she got so angry with him, she spat on him which I'm, I'm pretty sure, I, I had a quick look through the COVID safety guidelines before I hit record on this podcast. I could not see one article which suggested spit on any person during this time was an appropriate act, act, action, was an appropriate action. Give me one, give me one exception to that rule where it's appropriate. Unless you're into some real weird stuff, it's New Year's Eve coming up, you've had a couple of wines, you've met a stranger, uh, she says, kiss me, you kiss her. She says, spit on me, you go, wait, what? Who are you, first of all? She goes, just do it, otherwise this night is done. That, maybe that's the one exception to the rule. Even that is questionable. Particularly questionable, actually. I can't believe I, I suggested that as a possible exception to the rule. But here we are, 2021, you're allowed to talk about these things openly and honestly. Now, this lady has, uh, I, I think she got arrested because the video ended with, the video ended with, um, with her being put into a van, which you can only assume was a police vehicle. It was unmarked, but it had the police lights. I'm not sure. It looked uh, it looked as though it was serious. She's either been kidnapped or she's, she's been taken away to be dealt with. But it was an American video, and there's not a whole heap of stuff in America at the moment 
well, I say that loosely. There's not a whole heap that you can be punished for doing like it could be, uh, you know, even just five years ago. I, heard, I don't know what state it is. I should know before I talk about it. But there was a state in America, I think a number of states, which has decided to leave uh, the punishment of crime for shoplifters who shoplift left less than $900 worth of stuff from a shop. They, they go unpunished. Which sounds like a made-up story, but it's not. It is a fact. That if you steal less than $900 worth of product in these particular states, you, you go unpunished. But then the problem with things like this is, now I think, I'm not sure if that's just due to, to police being under the pump because they've been so defunded by so many people. Uh, but cops were cops were letting it go. There's, there's videos online of people just packing their van filled with like $899 worth of stuff and then being like, hey, well, just a... Just a productive day out. It was like a coupon, but with no coupons. But there's there's always great answers, great responses to these particular videos, like all these particular laws. There was another guy who owned a 7-Eleven who went around his shop and marked everything in the store at $901. You wanted a packet of gum? $901. You wanted a Hershey's bar? $901. Packet of cigarettes? $901. Little lollipop? $901. You get the drill. But below each uh, for sale sign, there's a little thing that just said, uh, to receive a coupon which brings these prices back down to a normal price, just come to the counter, <laughs> which is fantastic. Because all of a sudden there, the kid who steals a Hershey's bar just gets, he's actually, uh, he's done the wrong thing lawfully, which is, which makes me very proud. Which makes me very proud. I think that's a very, a very funny story. Don't know how we got there. Don't know why I went there, but we did. That's what I'm saying. Modern information, fresh information straight to your ears. Doesn't matter if it's a couple of days old, couple of weeks old, or brand new. Coming to you first. Toss and Popplestone pop, pop culture. I'm going to have to work on that tagline. Because if you get tongue-tied on your own tagline, it just it, it appears less professional. Anyway. I get to this point. So we're 42 minutes in. And I get to this point each week where the one thing I've been trying to work at is the pace at which I'm offering offering my thoughts to you because when I get excited I, I, I rapid fire and I can't keep up with it and so I've just got to take a breath take a look at the notes that I've written just recalibrate for a moment it's hard to recalibrate when I'm looking at the note that I want to talk to you about though because there's there's something that's come up more than once since I've since I've had my little man I've got an, an as I've told you 18 month old Charlie his name is Charlie's a little baby, and so many people say, before he was born, people would say to me, hey, enjoy enjoy the last days of single life because your life's going to be way different when you have a baby. You're not going to be able to relax. You're not going to be able to chill. You're not going to be able to laugh. You're not going to be able to smile. You're going to be depressed, and your life's going to be shit. It's essentially, I feel as though that's the main message from, from those around me uh, who wanted to share their thoughts on me having a child now luckily for me i've i've been given a, a really good little fella he's just tapped into a he's at a stage now where he started to understand what the word no means and he also understands the significance of ignoring that and it hurts a little bit that when i say no he continues and then smiles he continues the act of which i've said no don't continue that and he looks at me and smiles like what are you going to do about it bitch and he's too young to smack. You can't smack him. I'm not even sure if that's appropriate in 2021. Um, so I have to just pick him up and listen to him laugh at the fact that he, he thinks he's just schooled me. He's one year old. 
and he thinks he's schooled me who is 34. Now, that's a humbling that's a humbling situation to find yourself in because any baby who is actually schooled an adult is is well and truly advanced or the adult is is well and truly at a disadvantage or uh, mentally incapacitated which which are I mean like the idea of my kid being a genius is 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 quite positive but the idea of me having a, a you know a mental problem which is leaving me being uh, outmaneuvered by such a small child is 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 frustrating. All right, so that's something I'm dealing with. But so many parents say to me, uh, "Oh, it's hard having a baby, isn't it?" I go, oh, "You know, at times it's hard. There's elements of difficulty to it." And so many people say it only gets harder. It gets harder and harder as you go along because the worries that you have now they 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 adjust and they change and they're a little bit different but they're harder they get bigger as the kid gets bigger the struggles get bigger it's only going to be i'm not sure what the goal of this advice is and it honestly it feels as though it's always coming from a person with a broken spirit who wants to break your spirit with them so they can they can feel as though they're just in a boat of broken spiritedness at least with one other person but I've, I've had to start calling it out now because like, let's have a look. I spoke to you last week about how, how much my Saturday mornings have changed. Like my Saturday mornings used to start with a coffee and a sleep in. Now it starts with me wiping shit from uh, my son's gooch and him laughing at the fact that I'm doing it without any element of gratefulness to the act that's taking place. Uh, so, so that's a small change. Another one is, and mind you, the last couple of days he's been sleeping fantastically well, but there was a period there for six months where he wasn't sleeping well, he was waking up every half an hour. So not only do I have to feed him, not only do I have to uh, clean him, not only do I have to bath him, he's waking up multiple times of night, he can't communicate, so I have to, I have to read his mind consistently, which is fine, it's part of the job, it's one thing you have to do. I'm not saying I have an issue with it, what I'm saying is a 10-year-old does none of that. So if you're a parent, if you're one of those people who is making the argument that a 10-year-old's harder work than an infant or a one-year-old, can you please cl- clarify? Because the argument that you put forth upon reflection, it's not a very solid argument. You know, I've got a new appreciation for debating skills at the moment, hearing people present facts in a way which is both logical and, and, and really explains their point clearly. Your point's not being made clearly. So I just wanted to bring that to you because for so long I've nodded and smiled and laughed at your comment and said, oh wow, I can't believe I've got so much more trouble to come. But then upon I was speaking to my best friend about it the other day and we both realized these people are full of, they're, they're, they're lying, essentially. They're people who, I think they're, Jordan Peterson would say their room's messy. They say they need to clean their room. I say the same thing. I just realized that's exactly what I say. I, I like to echo Dr. Peterson's words to you right now. But uh, please, bring to my attention how a 10-year-old's more difficult. What, you're going to tell me what they argue with you? At least you know what they're thinking. That if your kid's still wetting the bed, if you're wiping shit from your kid's ass at the age of 10 on a Saturday morning, I'm going to report you to DHS. It's, uh, unless there's a learning difficulty there. It's the only exception to that rule. But no, no, no normal, uh, no healthy ten-year-old kid should be shitting their pants on a Saturday morning and expecting you to clean it up. That's as much on them. That's as much on you as it is on them. You need to get your your act together. Is is just what I want to say so politely. All right. I haven't heard a good response to that yet. So please let me know. You're not going to go to YouTube because you don't care. You know, I've already told you you don't care. And I've I've realised that because each week I subtly mention the YouTube channel and you say I, I'm not checking it. I don't want to which is hurtful to me. But you're not here uh, to listen to me wish for a pity party, and I'm not here to ask for one. What I am saying is I, I want to hear your thoughts. All right? 
I want to hear your thoughts because there's not a whole heap of sense being made at the moment. Like this is this is the thing. I scroll through a Twitter feed during the week to find out what exactly I want to speak to you about on a on a Monday afternoon. And and the things that I see I'm baffled by. Now I understand that troll farms are a a, a fairly powerful in our culture today. Troll farms they they have the ability to to be able to present fake information as though it's real, which is crazy because I used to collect trolls as a kid and they've only got four fingers. <laughs> That's not funny. I wish I didn't say that. It's a joke I want to work on. But um, you know the trolls I mean. I think I spoke to you about this. I might have even mentioned it. But um, it's hard to know what's real and what's fake. But there's a lot of professionals, so-called professionals, people that I used to, people that I used to would have listened to with a, with an open mind and an open heart now speak and I go, you are, you are retarded. There is no way what you're saying is true and you've clearly been paid off to make that statement because I, I just can't see how anyone in their right mind who's actually done their research would say that comment. And, and, and here's the latest one. Are you ready for it? So the EU have just put out a video explaining that uh, in order to start taking drastic action towards the climate crisis of which we are in, which just quietly, my wife's putting together a YouTube video of all the hysteria over the last 50 years of people saying, no, the next five years is going to see the end of time. No, the next five years is going to be the end of time. You know, this isn't a new thing. I realized recently this climate crisis thing, it's just a, it's a recycled argument just for people who are obsessed with fear porn, bring up now and now, uh, now and again. Just, I, I think it's potentially because we're in such a clickbait culture. Click, that's exactly what it is. We're in such a clickbait culture that regardless of how, how people are going to read like a, a really well thought out article or the minority of people are going to read a, a, a really well thought out article. So the truth is we've got to now just resort to, to banging into people's emotions and hopefully, uh, hopefully getting them triggered for them to click on the article. Now, I click on the article, but then they always want you to subscribe to the news piece. Now, I understand this is where they make their money, but isn't it interesting that the money is made now on bullcrap emotional headlines to get you and I triggered just to get our subscription. Whatever happened to the, uh, I was gonna say, whatever happened to the good old days. I guess the good old days, it was just easy to hide the rubbish that you were, uh, that you were uh, is it promulgating? Propagating uh, to the uh, population en masse because, I mean, there wasn't so many avenues for, for your dodgy information to be revealed. But the EU has, has just released a video explaining to us how uh, us reducing the amount of time we spend washing our clothes is gonna be really beneficial to the climate crisis. I don't want to go too far into this because I can't be bothered because I find it so boring and so ridiculous. But they say a few things which I was already doing, which is, now, uh, he, he, here's a couple of little tips they gave us. They said, just wash your jeans once a month. I fit into that category. I rarely wash my jeans because I, I don't like it. It takes the elasticity out of it. It takes the color out of it. They fade really quick. I reckon I wash my jeans once every two months. So Tyson Popplestone doing his part for the environment with jeans washing, tick. But then they say, like, T-shirts once a week. I'm a heavy sweater. I'm a heavy sweater. I, I go through two T-shirts a day at probably minimum, maybe more, because I like to go for a run as well. And that there's a 100% chance that that running shirt always ends up in the wash at the end of that run. Because, as I said, heavy sweater. But it's, it's interesting that this is where our attention goes. It doesn't go to... I don't know. It's just weird the avenues or the direction that our conversations around making practical changes to our lifestyle start. Like, uh, sure, like is it really, 
Maybe it's a paralysis by analysis. Like maybe this one thing would be good if everyone did it, but it would also be good if everyone stopped buying iPhones because it's child slaves and, and slave labor, which is essentially helping uh, build these things. But the truth is, I've, I've got mine right here. I say I care, but then I make a phone call on this and a tweet on this, and it's like, well, you don't you don't really care, do you? Now, the idea of making some big radical move and saying, well, stuff it, I'm not gonna use an iPhone is, is powerful, but there's still uh, hundreds of millions of other people who are still gonna do it. So I guess that's a cynical approach. I think I went into this a little bit with you the other day, but the idea of making change sounds good, but you need everyone to get on board to be able to do it to actually make a significant change. So that's the way I see this clothing thing. I don't understand it at a deep level, obviously. I just thought it was weird that they're encouraging us to shower less, but it's weird. I guess in a world where the FDA is now approved for us to eat uh, more bug burgers, which is fine. I understand bugs are high in protein, but I've just seen the article release where the Federal Drug Administration the United States have said, hey, you know what? We give the stamp of approval on bug burgers. It's okay. I think in any other year, there would have been more eyebrows raised. I understand. I ate crickets in Vietnam and they tasted quite good. But I, so it, essentially what I'm saying is I don't know what my point is. What is my point? Is my point that, uh, like, is the, I, I don't really understand. I think the FDA is essentially giving me a stamp of approval because under this umbrella of climate change, like meat intake, we all eat too much meat. Like, I'm pretty sure, unless you're vegetarian or vegan, like your meat consumption is well and truly above what it should be. Back in the day, remember the old Sunday roast? It was because Sunday roast, you could only afford to kill your sheep once a week or once a month or whatever and spread that meal out sporadically over the next couple of weeks. So meat, it was like a treat, it was something special. Now, I had a friend a while ago said to me, yeah, Tyson, I'm, I'm really getting better with my meat consumption. I said, well, explain that to me. He goes, well, I only have it probably once a day now. I said, that's still, if you're a sheep, that's terrible news. Because once a day for a week is basically a whole baby sheep, you know what I mean? If you're a lamb, that's shocking news. If you're a cow, it's not so scary because it's probably only a leg and a bit, but uh, I guess it's all context, isn't it? It's all, so we're trying to be told to eat more bugs because maybe that's good for the environment. Maybe it is, but you need a lot of bugs. And when you start eating maggot pie, which is one that I saw advertised today, again, trolls might be in action. But when, I don't know, it's just, I feel like it's a harder sell. If you're inviting people for, over for dinner, I just, I can't see a time in the next 25 years where people say, oh, what's on the menu? And you say roasted crickets. They say, all right, beautiful. Is there anything you need me to bring? I think the next text message is actually, we've just realized we've got something else going on tonight. We're not gonna be able to make it. So um, I don't know, what are your thoughts on the old bug consumption? There are, in fairness, there's things that I used to critique. There's things that I used to look at and think, ah, oh, that's not normal, that I, uh, I, I had to shut up about. When I was in Greece, I ate snails and they were delicious. They were well cooked. And I'm not even sure if they fit into the category of bug. But apparently the sales pitch was they're quite high in protein. Now I ate snails in Greece and I ate snails again with grease in my mind, I was thinking, wow, I actually enjoy the taste of snails. So I went back to Viet I went to Vietnam a few months after and at a street market found a lady selling snails. Now, I think the joke was on me because in Greece they were they were well herbed, they were well spiced, they were well cooked. In Vietnam, it literally it tasted as though you would think a snail would taste. You know that little those bubble things that you get at the bottom of a snail? If it's been on the pavement for a week and you pick it up and it looks slightly unhealthy, it, it looks as though it's it, it's blowing bubbles. I could, as I was chewing it, I could feel the texture of those bubbles breaking in my mouth in Vietnam. So I guess it's just about the way that you cook it. Maybe if I can be invited to a person's house who cooks bugs well, my, my tune on this will, will change rapidly. I'm not 100% I'm not sure it will. But I'm saying if you want to convince me that that's true, um, I think that's the best way to do it. I've got one more thing I wanted to tell you before we go, because I've nearly been talking to you for an hour, and that's, uh, as we know, well and truly enough time to... Uh, 
uh, you know, to, to sit back and listen. But hey, it's your own part. If you're here at this point, there's no one to blame but yourself. Because you're 55 minutes into the conversation now. So if you're angry at me or you're saying, stop babbling, turn, you can stop it. That's, I can't believe you're trying to put that on me. I'm sitting here doing my best trying to bring you the latest and greatest in news around the world as an alternative to CNN, Fox News, and, and here you are. Here you are criticizing my uh, my hard work, my contribution to society is, is what MJ called it, and the AFL boys who messaged me. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, University of Pennsylvania, Leah Thomas competed at the NCAA Swimming Championships three years ago as a male, has recently come out and dominated one of the events, I think it was the 400 meter freestyle, I think, by 38 seconds as a female. Now, this is quite a controversial topic because we know that some people who, uh, they started as just equality for women, those same people now want men to be able to beat the shit out of women, uh, both physically and metaphorically, in a swimming pool in every event. And, and Leah Thomas is a, is a great outcome for these particular people. But I don't know, it's an interesting one to, to see because I think at, at any normal time in history, we look at this blur between men and women and go, okay, well, there's mental illness in that person or there's a few little changes to the way that we need to perceive these events. Um, uh, that didn't make sense. There's there's mental illness, essentially, in the people that were... And I don't pity them. I feel bad for I feel bad for people who feel as though they're a, a woman trapped in a man's body or vice versa. I'll have nothing but respect when I see them. But when they start being able to kick my daughter's ass, I don't have a daughter yet, I'm just saying my hypothetical daughter, in a swimming event uh, because of the physical advantages. I've already said that men's sport, uh, we started this podcast talking about how, how women's sport is just men's sport in slow motion. This is actually the exclamation mark to that comment. There's no other way around it. Leah Thomas has come out to prove my original point that men are just a, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, a little bit better. Not because God has just said that men are better, though that could be the case, but because our physical strength just gives us in certain ways. That's not that good in a kitchen. Do you know what I mean? It's not that good at being a nurse. That's why predominantly women are nurses and predominantly men are bricklayers because we're a little bit stronger. Hey, they're a little bit more caring. I don't understand the whole science behind it, but it's there if you want to look into it. Leah Thomas, I, I think we've come to a point now where we have to acknowledge that this is going a real bad way because once women start getting their ass kicked by men in sport, it's no longer sport, is it? Like it's a it's a ridiculous competition. It's a, we're just playing pretend, which is fine. If you want to play pretend, we can play pretend. Just like the AFL players holding out the footballs side by side, pretending they're the greatest of all time. I'm not sure. It's just that it takes a society to go along with it in order for that to be uh, considered normal. And I think we've maybe... You know, we've sat back a little bit too long now and gone, okay, this is normal. And now Leah Thomas is going to kick your daughter's ass at swimming. That's my point. Didn't know where I was going with that. Just wanted to bring it to your attention. I'm a little bit frustrated because I couldn't even beat most of the people in my uh, own age group and bracket. So I sympathize with the 17, 18 year old women who are now being kicked uh, in the ass or having their ass kicked by a uh, a man. Because it doesn't it doesn't seem fair. But hey, what, what is fair doesn't matter anymore. That's fine. Doesn't. Because we talk about domestic violence being an issue, but the truth is, like, if a, a man can kick a woman's ass, what's the problem with domestic violence anymore? I'm not sure. Is it the fact that you're married? I'm not a fan of it. I'm just trying to raise the point. Hey, if you can kick a, if you can kick a girl's ass in a boxing ring, like, okay, what, what are we playing? What game is this? Anyway, there's a food for thought. That was my sign-out for the day. That was it. We got there. That felt pretty good towards the end, but I need a producer to make sure I'm bringing you live facts. Anyway. I hope you guys, it's the 27th of December, 2021. New Year's just around the corner, 2022. Omicron, here we come. <laughs>
I'm hoping. I'm hoping. It doesn't sound that scary. But I haven't been scared of any of them though. So not to brag, but I'm just saying. Anyway, hey, best of luck. Happy New Year. Give your give your mum a kiss from me, and I'll uh, I'll see you all next week.